Let's uh, review a couple of scriptures in John chapter 14, verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. The word, the word actually there in the Greek means demand. Not demand like we, we hear demanding in our culture. You know, arrogant. Uh, like, what Jay, what, like what Peter and John did at the gate called beautiful. When they demanded a miracle on behalf of the cripple. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask again, demand me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the way I want to start off tonight is to put you in remembrance of where we left off last Wednesday. And that is the problem I think with a lot of believers is they've never taken their place in Christ. And I pointed out last Wednesday that in the Old Testament, the Bible specifically called the children of God the servants of God. But we are not servants of God. Now, children, we are the sons of God. And so our posture ought to be different. And I will do whatever you ask or demand in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask or demand me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Then John 16, 23, you understand John 14 is not really about prayer. John 14 is about operating in the ministry. Uh, we're not really talking about commanding the car salesman to sell you a car cheaper than they want to. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being out there and doing the works of Jesus and making a demand on the name of Jesus. That's actually what we're doing. We're making a demand on the name of Jesus. John 16, 23, in that day, which is about prayer, John 16, 23, in that day, in other words, that day when I'm gone and you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. But now I want to, I want to point out that whether it's John 14, which is not really about prayer, it's about ministry, or whether it's John 16, which is about prayer after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, in both scenarios, both situations, both chapters, it's about operating in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So whether we're out here ministering, and we're commanding cancer to die, or whether we're going to the Father in prayer, and we enter the throne room of God, and we go to the Father God with a petition, and we ask Father God for something, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So most believers have never taken a son's place. When I say son, I mean son or daughter's place. What most believers have never done is taken a son's place in the family of God. You're not a servant. You're not a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are literally taking Jesus' place, acting in his stead, doing the Father's will in the absence of your elder brother Jesus. Now, if we could just get our hearts around that, our lives would change forever. T.L. saw it. T.L. Osborne, that's what he saw. He saw, that, he saw that Jesus wasn't here and he was doing the works of Jesus 
in the absence of Jesus. By his word, Father God bore you as his son, as his daughter. This is the work of God. It's not your work. You didn't make yourself a Christian. You didn't make yourself saved. You didn't do the work of salvation. You didn't get your sins forgiven. This is the work of God. So when you take the place of a son, you're not reaching. You are simply doing what Father God wants you to do. I know people have trouble with this. That's why I'm teaching on it. That's why we're here. People have trouble with this. You know that they use all kinds of adjectives, and I know the adjectives. I just ignore them. It doesn't really matter to me whether some person misunderstands me. All I care about is that when I speak to God's creation, it obeys me. Amen. Amen. And Jesus said, he said, if they, hated, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So there's no point going out here and trying to win a popularity contest with the world. So when you take the place of a son, you're not reaching. Tell your neighbor, when you take the place of a son, you're not reaching. It's just the doggonest thing. You know, my grandchildren, they come over on Sunday morning, and now we'll have more coming in tomorrow, and they just act like they own the place. And, uh, you know, they, with the kind of refrigerators we have, you know, they got to be a certain age to be able to pull that open with that magnetic strip, but they, once they conquer it, <laughs> they're in there and they think it's all for them. Freezer side's a little tougher, but once they conquer it, it's not mine. It's theirs. And if something's missing, man, they will stomp right in there and tell their grandma, you know. They actually tell her, Grandma, you need to go to the store. <laughs> and uh, same with the pantry. And then I noticed last Sunday, uh, you know, Austin's sitting there, Jessica's sitting there, and I know Sue wouldn't do it, but I hear the Coke machine working. I have a Coke machine from the year I was born, 1955. And uh, I hear the Coke machine working. I look over there. And it wasn't even the oldest grandchild. It was one of the other grandchildren. Man, when they figure out that, where those dimes are and where you put that dime and how that opens and how that does, it's over. They'll be pulling, they'll be pulling Mexican Cokes out of there forever. <laughs> and we get Mexican Cokes so there's no corn syrup. It's real sugar. If you're going to drink poison, drink real stuff. So sitting here tonight, you are the fruit of his own word. You come into being, you came into being by his own power and by his ability. It was not our decision. We did not do the work. He did the work. He, we didn't, we didn't call ourselves the righteousness of God in Christ. He called us the righteousness of God in Christ. We didn't call ourselves the sons of God. He called us the sons of God. The problem is when we don't act like it. Amen. Amen. So you have received eternal life. You have, you have actually received the nature of God in you. You have received the wisdom of God in you. You have received the love of God in you. You have received the the, the wisdom of God in you, but also, now not 
100%, but by, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, by the speaking of the Holy Spirit to your spirit man, you receive knowledge, not the knowledge of the Father. You just know things. And we ignore that to our peril. So it's time to recognize your place in Christ. You know, the Holy Spirit's reminding me right now of things that I have challenged you to do over the last year or two. And, and I mean, I, I don't know this empirically, but I know it by the Spirit. Not that many people have done it. For example, pick a number. Pick a number, a reasonable number. Then go to the Holy Spirit of God and ask the Holy Spirit of God how much of a seed you ought to sow to believe God for that number and then sow that seed, and then believe, confess, find scriptures that cover your situation, and then take action and believe, believe the money in to see if it works. But I just know not that many people have done that. Well, here's another one. You want another one? Here's another one. Find something to speak to in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and exercise authority over it. I don't care if it's a wart. How about a rash? I mean, pick something. See, people don't want to exercise faith on the little things. And then when the doctor gives them really bad news, well, then they want to exercise faith. That's not really a very smart way to go about it. See, and, and I have Bible on this. Because David said to Saul, I have killed the lion and I have killed the bear. And your servant will kill this uncircumcised Philistine. Amen. See, so the point is, he had the faith and, and, and the, uh, the guts to go up against Goliath because he had successfully gone up against the lion and he had successfully gone up against the bear. So, I mean, I'm just saying, if you've been shooting squirrels in your backyard with a 22, it might not qualify you to go grizzly bear hunting in Montana. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, you got to work your way up to stuff. And that's why all these years, you know, I mean, decades, I've been saying... Exercise your faith on money. If you have a dishwasher stops working, I mean, I know we all have credit cards. We can go get one. Just pick that as an opportunity because that's non-fatal. And just take it as an opportunity. Say, Lord, you know, I need a new dishwasher. I don't know what they cost now. And, uh, and then how, how, much, how much, Father God, how much Holy Spirit of God do you want me to sow as a seed to believe in the money for a new dishwasher? And then whatever he says, then sow it and then believe it in. I got a dishwasher coming. Thank you, Father God. I got a dishwasher. I believe I receive it. I got a dishwasher coming. The money's coming. The money's coming. I love it. The money's coming and believe it in. If you can't do that, don't be messing around trying to confess out some fatal prognosis from a doctor. Tell your neighbor, exercise your faith. Tell the neighbor on the other side, exercise your faith. 
It was about two years back. A lady brought a lady, I think it was on a Wednesday night. It was a, a lady from the church brought a lady from work and she had terminal cancer. And a, and a lady from, this, from our church heard about it and said, you have to be so polite. 2021 said, would you mind? Would you like for me to pray with you about this? And the lady said, okay. And so you can't do it while you're on the job. You got to do it while you're at lunch or in the break room or somewhere. You have to be smart and prayed for that woman. And she, and she had been to the doctor and she had whatever, the tests, the x-rays, whatever. She had all of that. And when she went back, she was totally 100% cancer free. Now that was not me. That was not Sue. That was not Austin. That was a lady in the church. Amen. And God wants to work like that. I said, God wants to work like that. Amen. I said, God wants to work like that. Because if you haven't figured out, <laughs> this world out here is not paying any attention to the church. That's right. I mean, they got, they got their own thing going. And so God wants to show out. God wants to arrest the attention of this dark world. But how's God going to do it if we don't make ourselves available? Yeah, but pastor, I can't do that. Why not? Well, what if nothing happens? See, that's the problem because you are worried about your reputation. Your job as a believer is not to worry about your reputation. Your job as a believer is to be concerned about his reputation. Amen. And I've noticed this. The further out I get, the, the quicker he is to meet me there. Amen. Amen. I have seen astounding miracles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm not done seeing miracles. We got more miracles on the way, but we have, to be, we have to be mindful right here. Now listen, I talk about miracles. We have to be mindful right here. If you are just of the mindset that you want to stack up miracles for yourself, you're, you're going to see less or none. We have, to have, we have to be of the mindset that we want to be used of the Lord. These are the end times. Have you figured that out? Amen. You have, I mean, this is like the, I, I started laughing today out of the blue. Sue said, what are you laughing about? I said, I feel like I'm on the front row of the roller coaster at Six Flags and we just crested the hill and I got a front row seat to the end times. It's nuts. So, if you have like a 10-year plan to let God work through you, <laughs> uh, that's too long a time frame. Amen. Amen. God, wants, God wants people to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And miracles, I don't have time to teach on this tonight, but miracles are actually not designed for believers. Miracles are designed for unbelievers. Miracles are meant to be God's calling card to lost folk. Amen. You see that all through the book of Acts. And our, our thinking too often is we don't want to do practical stuff and then we want to believe God for a miracle. And I try not to live in that realm myself. It'd be, it'd be fine with me if for the rest of my days I never needed one more miracle. Because frankly... That's kind of stressful, you know, to live in the realm where I got to have a miracle. So uh, that's why I, I exercise my body. That's why I get outside. That's why I got, you know, soak up vitamin D. 
uh, Sue's Feed Me Vitamins. And, uh, you know, I do, and I learned this from one of my fathers in the faith, John Osteen. He said, we leave no stone unturned in the natural. He said, we go right up to the line of everything we can do in the natural, and then we believe God. Amen. I love that. So even saving money. See, in other words, we, we, we're not just doing nothing and then believing God for miracles. There are two words that describe that, sick and broke. No, we're doing everything we know to do we go right up to the line, to the limit of our ability, and then we believe God. Amen. And amazing things happen. I mean, I'm the faith guy, and I can't even, I can't even believe it myself. What God has done. What God has done. And how how faith works. We just taught on that the Holy Week Revival last year. That was what? Nine months back. How faith works. But what good is it going to do if we don't work it? In other words, is that just theoretical knowledge? What good is it going to do us to have theoretical knowledge that faith works? We got we to pick a battle. And then take the battle to the enemy. Amen. Amen. And I love believing God for money. I mean, I, I told the Lord years ago, this must have been 30 years ago. I told him, I said, I said, you don't need my permission to do anything, but it's fine with me if you want to test me on money. It's fine with me if, if, if you want to put me to the test on money. I said, I, I'd much rather fight these battles than other battles. Amen. Amen. I mean, just think how terrible it'd be if Sue had a drinking problem or something. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, think about it. There are battles I just don't want to face. Amen. Or have to believe God for a wayward son or a wayward daughter. Or, I mean, there are battles, frankly, I just, I just soon not fight. That's right. So if the Lord wants to put me to the test on money, you know, fine. It's fine with me. This is, this is easy. Amen. Amen. Because there are battles that aren't so easy. But again, even on that, you know, on the way over here, I'm listening to Kenneth Hagin tell the story about a young man that went to God and he was dating a, a gal and, and he wasn't sure whether he should marry that particular gal or not. And he said, he told Dad, Dad Hagin the sad story later that, that he put a fleece out. He said, Lord, now if you want me to marry this young woman, uh, when I ask her, have her say yes. <laughs> and he got fleeced. People do this all the time. See, we're not to, in the New Testament, we're not to go by fleeces because we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, my point is even on picking a spouse or child rearing, go back to John Osteen, you do everything you can do in the natural. Do everything you can do in the natural. You've got to follow the teachings of the Word of God in Deuteronomy and Proverbs on child training. You've got to follow the... I mean, I'm, I'm in First uh, Samuel now in my annual Bible reading. Over and over and over and... I mean, talk about redundant. God says, 
Don't let your sons marry their women and don't give your daughters to them in marriage. So it's not like you weren't warned. I said, it's not like you weren't warned. So my point is, go back to John Osteen, do everything you can do in the natural and then believe God. There's no point letting your son or your daughter, you know, date some Philistine and then them get married and then go to believe in God that uh, the situation will improve. Amen. You got you got you got to you got to be a doer of the word of God. If you're not a doer of the word of God, all kinds of trouble just comes to you. And I don't know about you, but I, I like avoiding trouble. Amen. And so, and I find this, the more word I do, <laughs> the fewer miracles I need. Say that out loud. The more word I'll do, the, word I'll do, the fewer miracles I'll need. Because the fruit of the word, Kenneth Hagin called it the fruit of the word, it will just come to us. The good stuff of God will just come to us as we're doers of the word of God. And and I'll tell you something else too. We're we're talking about faith and prayer. The reason we're always praying about ourselves is because we're not taking our place as sons. We're not exercising authority in the name of Jesus. We have all these needs. And because then we're focused on ourselves, we're not praying about other people. We're not praying about the lost. We got this Holy Week revival coming up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, if you're praying about your hemorrhoids and, and, we, and, we've got, and we've got a Holy Week revival coming up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, well, what are you focused on? Do you see what I'm saying? And God help us. I said, God help us. It's a box canyon. Satan has led the, the people of God into a box canyon where it, it, it's all about my needs and, and, you know, my refrigerator died and, and my kids aren't doing right and this and that and the other. And, and we're not mindful of the world out here. Man, if you have not figured it out, the world is not just lost. They are off the chain crazy. Amen. They need Jesus. Save people, don't riot. Save people, don't loot. Save people, don't break into government buildings. Amen. I mean, if people just got saved, how much would it solve? Right? Amen. Amen. So whether you recognize it or not, you belong to a supernatural order of being. Yeah. Whether you take your place or not, you belong to a supernatural order of being. You need to read 1 John. If you feel at home here, you may not be saved. A saved person in a world like this would have to feel like a pilgrim. I'm a pilgrim. I'm passing through. I'm looking for the city of God. Now, that doesn't mean I want to go tonight, but I'm, I, I, I'm on my way. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm looking for the city of God. And see, Sue mentioned this the other day. We got to Kenya, Nairobi. I think that was August of 1982. And, of course, we, we asked the uh, 
the Bible school president's wife where I was assigned to teach, you know, where can we go to get some groceries? And uh, of course, this was all before the internet and nav and all that. So she said, well, you go to the Mathega mini market, that's the closest, and she gave us directions. And we went out there. And when you go to Mathega, traditionally, that was the area outside of Nairobi where they had what they called Embassy Row. And so the ambassador from India, there's a big compound there, mansion, the ambassador from this country, that country, and it's a state after a state after a state after a state. And you know that when you enter an embassy, I mean, it could be an embassy here in the United States of America, but when you enter that embassy, you're not in the United States of America. If, if it's the embassy of India and you, you walk into that embassy, you're in India. But the same is true of where the ambassadors live. And they don't live, they, let me tell you, they, they were not living at the Kenya level. They were living at the level not of the country they had been assigned to. They were living at the level of the country they had come from. And God's people have never seen this. And that's why they're just content, you know, to, to barely make do. But we're not supposed to live, in, not in our bodies, not in our families, not in our finances. We're not supposed to live at the level of the country we've been sent to. We're supposed to live at the level of the country we have been sent from. Now, that, I'm not teaching Plato's oversoul. None of us here tonight came from some spirit oversoul, and we're going back and all that nonsense. That, that's not Christianity. All of us were conceived in the womb of a woman. We were all created here on this planet in the womb of a woman. But by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross and by the work of the Holy Spirit in us subsequent to that, we become ambassadors for Christ. And so in this corrupt world, in this evil world, we don't feel at home. We don't feel at home. So the shame is that most believers spend their entire lives kicked around by the devil. When you enter the throne room of God in Jesus' name, speaking to Father God in the words of his Bible, you have all the ability of God dwelling inside you. You literally come to a place in God where you carry his presence, where, where you go, he goes. When you enter the throne room of God in Jesus' name, speaking to the Father the words of his Bible, you have come into the wisdom that Jesus had in his earth walk because Jesus has been made unto you wisdom. Now we all need to begin to think of ourselves as linked up with his ability, his wisdom, his power, his omnipotent power. It's, it's, over, it's in the Bible, something else that's in the Bible over and over and over and over and over. Nothing is impossible with God. Stop telling God what's impossible. Say it out loud, nothing is impossible with God. Say it again, nothing is impossible with God. In fact, in Matthew 17, we use in offerings a lot. Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for you. Tell your neighbor, nothing is impossible for you. Now, sense, knowledge, reasoning shrinks from this, but here is where the challenge of grace leads you. Nothing is impossible. 
So we dare to take our place. We dare to confess what we are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. We dare to confess where we are. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in the place of all authority, dominion, and power. We dare to confess what we have. All things are mine. Amen. Amen. We, we dare to confess what we can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Amen. Because of his work within us, we have the word of God that he is in us. So we have the ability, the power, the wisdom, and the love of God in us. This makes, a, this makes an effective prayer life a mastery thing. Remember what God said to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door and it seeks to master you, but you must master it. So many things that are going on in our lives and in this world are distractions to pull us off course and to pull us into snipe hunts. If you're not from the country, you don't know what a snipe hunt is, a snipe hunt. So when I was a little boy, you know, my older cousins, I'm visiting my grandpa, my older cousin said, hey, Gene, you want to go on a snipe hunt? Sure. You know, I was from Detroit. What did I know? So they get their rifles and they get their flashlights. And man, we stomped all over that 180 acres. I mean, man, we stomped from one end to the other. And, and we get back and, uh, you know, uncles are saying, where y'all been? We, we, we took Gene on a snipe hunt and everybody's laughing. And I mean, I realized I was the butt of the joke, but I didn't know what the joke was. Well, the joke is there's no snipe. Amen. And this is what Satan does to us. We, we, Dad Hagen used to call them rabbit chases. In other words, uh, what are the odds you're going to catch a rabbit? You ever seen a dog chase a rabbit? What are the odds of a dog catching a rabbit? Let alone you catching a rabbit. And so Satan's got all this stuff going on to distract us from what's important. And God wants us... Listen, if we will focus on what's important, God will take care of the little stuff. Amen. Amen. I believe that. Amen. Now, we're not asking God for the impossible because there is no impossible with God. We're not asking God for the impossible because there is no impossible with God. Like the Apostle Paul in Effective Prayer Life gives us the ability to be mastered by nothing but to master all things in life. See, Satan wants you mastered. And he doesn't care what it is. He doesn't care whether it's chewing tobacco, cigarettes, cigars, marijuana, speed, meth, alcohol, beer. He doesn't care, but he wants you mastered. Amen. Because as long as some substance is running your life, you're not going to be effective for the Lord. Right. And, and let me tell you, what do you think is the number one substance running most Americans? Well, fear, but that's I, I, not a substance. What is the number one substance running Americans? American Christians. Food. Yeah. You got to master it. Amen. Amen. See, because if we allow something to master us, whatever it is, it diminishes us. It diminishes us. And God doesn't want us diminished. Amen. That's why your pastor wants all your needs met. 
That's why your pastor wants all your bills paid. It's just, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. It's just easier to believe God when you're not under stress financially. And, and frankly, I, we mentioned food. I think this is a lot of food. One thing that's helped us in the last year, we just, we just don't watch the news. And uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on, man, we just don't watch the news because it'll, it, it'll stress you out. And because we're Christians, we don't drink, we don't chew, we don't go with girls who do. <laughs> so what do we do as Christians? What do we do when we're under stress? We eat. And it can master us. God doesn't want us mastered by anything. See, in a, an effective prayer life gives me the ability to live a life of mastery instead of being mastered. To the natural mind, though, or to the Christian who has not taken the time to train their recreated human spirit, we are asking God for impossible things. And that is why when we stand and testify to what God has done in our lives or what we are right now believing God to do in our lives, they chalk it up to crazy talk because to them it's impossible. And, you know, you have to be careful about this. You know, I texted a guy, friend in the ministry, that we had paid this place off, and he, he texted one word back. You know, that's great. Two words. But then weeks later, he communicated, and I was a little encouraged by what he communicated. And then I said, well... We paid everything off. We have two Mercedes-Benz Sprinters. We had a little debt on each of those. We had a, a little debt from a sound system upgrade. Uh, we paid all that off. We had a new cash high. We've never had that much cash ever. So I, I texted this. Silence. See, I want to bridge too far. So we have to be mindful. When you're believing God for impossible stuff, not everybody's going to be happy. Now, me, the way I'm hardwired, I'd get on a jet, go and, and sit and listen and find out how to do that. But that's not the way everybody's hardwired. So we think nothing at all about praying for what the world calls impossible. You know, just because somebody says something's impossible doesn't make it impossible. I mean... We have been doing this all year. Look around the room. And nobody's sick. Now, what would the world call that? Talk to me, what would the world call that? Impossible. I, I'm, I'm not going. They're lost. They're undone. They're nuts. I'm not going by what they're saying. And I'm not just going by the Spirit, I'm going by common sense. You know, they're suppressing all kinds of information, but how many people were, were really sick with a cold in the fall of 2019, in the winter of 2019 and 20? In other, and now we know from the Wall Street Journal this was here in the fall of 2019. Amen. So I'm not just talking spiritually, Common sense tells me we, we already have immunity. Amen. 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 
And if we, even if we don't, the survival rate, now this has gone on long enough, the survival rate is 99.9. It's between, I've read two numbers, 99.95% and 99.98%. Look, so my body has a higher immunity rate than the vaccine. <laughs> so they're confused. They, they don't even know whether they're boys or girls. Amen. Amen. Do you understand? Baby's heart beats at day 16 in the womb, but that's, that's the science says, well, that's not a baby. Well, how's it, how's it not a baby? The heart's beating. So they don't know if they're boys or girls. They can't hear a heart beating at day 16. Uh, but they're going to tell me I'm crazy. I, I'm, I, look, I'm the sanest dude in town. And the Bible is the easiest thing to believe in 2021. Amen. Say it out loud. The Bible, the Bible is the easiest thing to believe in 2021. Some of you have been coming here for decades. You've never heard me revise it. But you know, Dr. Fauci can't go 30 days without revising something he said. So the Bible's the easiest thing in the world to believe. Pastor, do you really believe there was a man named Noah? Yeah, and I'll tell you something else. I believe Jesus is coming back. I believe it all. Amen? I believe my God's able. So we don't think a thing about praying about things the world calls impossible because nothing is impossible with God Amen. we think nothing of asking God for things that cannot be done by any human method it's not fasting and long hours of prayer that build up faith these are the most important words you've heard in months it's not fasting and long hours of prayer that build up faith it's taking God at his word believing what he has said confessing what God has said and taking action on what God has said that builds up faith. That's what builds up faith. It's not fasting and long hours of prayer that build up faith. I've done it all. I fasted once, 40 days, three times in 12 months. I did. I did. I did. I got nothing out of it. Absolutely nothing. Was it a week or two weeks I decided I was going to pray eight hours a day? Was that a week or two weeks? And you know what I got out of it? Nothing. I, I felt less anointed and less spiritual at the end of that time than I did at the beginning. The only thing I accomplished was I lost my voice. That's not what builds up faith. What builds up faith is taking God at his word. Believing what God has said, confessing what God has said, and taking action on what God has said. Reading books about faith and about men of faith and their exploits can stir up a passion for faith, but such, such activities do not build faith. Only the word is the source of faith in our lives. Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm gonna end with this. The reason our country is in this mess, whatever 
part of the mess you want to talk about? I mean, man, we got a, man, we got a, we got a, we got a, like a, a cauldron of mess. It's because the ministers in the pulpits of America stopped preaching the Bible. Because so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what else? Common sense comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And common sense is gone. Faith is gone. I'm talking about out here. My son's gotten to, call, gotten to calling them COVID believers. COVID believers. You know, if you're a born-again Christian and, and you believe all this stuff they're saying, something's wrong. You're watching too much TV. You're not in the Bible. You're not in the Word. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns... Will he find faith on the earth? He'd be lucky to find a church open. Amen. Will he find faith? But I'm just going to keep trucking, man. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get over in this idolatry. I'm not going to get over in that idolatry. I'm not going to get over in this personality cult. I'm not going to get over in that personality cult. I'm not going to get onto this fad. I'm not going to get onto that fad. I am just going to stay with the word and go right down the middle of the road. And I'm going to win people to Jesus. And I'm going to cast out devils. And I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And I'm going to do the works of Jesus until... I hear the trumpet blast and, uh, you know, when Gabriel sets the trumpet to his mouth and then when the Father God says three words, come up hither, that's all I'm after. Amen. That's all I'm after. Hallelujah. That's all I'm after. Amen. We have got a mission. And we can't fix this dark world out here. Nobody can. It's not fixable. It's not redeemable. If you have not figured it out, the seed of Adam is in every institution. It's corruption. The public schools can't fix them. The universities can't fix them. The colleges can't fix them. Now it's in the churches. Can't fix them. The seed of Adam. And you know, I just today, I, w I went back and through and I, I had to go back through and reread it myself. Second Timothy 3, you know what? But mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. I mean, it's like reading the paper. Everything he lists, it's going on right now. We're in it. We're smack dab in it. Amen. Amen. So, we have to be about his business. We've got to be mindful of his business. We've got to win the lost. We've got to cast out devils. We've got to lay hands on the sick. And if we'll do that, you might say, well, how am I going to pay my bills? If you will take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Amen. Be mindful of, of, of him. Amen. God's really changed my heart on this. Men come to the house and work, and I find myself loving them. 
You know, it was cold today, and, and I really wasn't dressed properly, but I was standing out there talking to a man. I said, you know, I'm a Christian, and I believe Jesus is coming back. And I thought, you sound like a lunatic from the 70s. <laughs> but, I, you know, I mean, I find myself loving these men. They're at my house. They're working. They're helping me. And I'm standing there, and you know, the wind's blowing, and I know Sue would not like me being out there with not enough, you know, jacket on and whatever. But I'm telling him, I said, you know, I, I want you to know I'm a Christian. Because, you know, everybody's worried. Everybody's worried. And I told him, I said, Jesus is coming back. So, you know, we got to get right, stay right. We got to live ready. You know, I'm... I'm and I gave him a copy of God's very own child. I gave that to him a couple of months back. But we just can't take care of our little deal anymore. That's what I want to say. We, we can't just be mindful of us and our little deal anymore. What's it going to be like the day after the rapture? Did you ever think you would see a gun pulled in the capital of the United States of America and a woman shot to death? What's it going to be like a day after the rapture? What's it going to be like a week after the rapture? What's it going to be like a month after the rapture? What's it going to be like six months after the rapture? We must work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. Amen. Amen.